Carnival personnel was recorded in the dank, moldy basement. Joe and Jacques, it's Carnival personnel. Joe and Jacques, to their wives this show is their personal help. Well, the show sounds the same every single week. Pats are great, Trump is lame, and Joe barely speaks. Who you think still listening? Who you think still listening? Besides Jim and Biff, yeah. And don't forget Richard. Here's a random review. No one cares about you two, Joe and Jacques. Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques. <laughs> you know, Biff. There are three types of people in this world. Go on. <laughs> those who can count and those who can't. <laughs> hey, yeah. So so uh so Biff, I uh, I I sold my vacuum the other day. Oh, you don't say, huh? It was just collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I, I bought my ticket. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Carnival Personnel. This is Jacques. And this is Biff. Hello. <laughs> when did Biff become like... Watto from <laughs> episode one. Uh, and that and, and, and that just like hunk of burning love is is our good friend Joe. How Hello. Hi right. guys. Hi. Right. Master of a thousand annoying voices. <laughs> um so we'll get right into it. We uh we will give a shout out to last week's sideshow guest, uh Lauren Sims. She is a comedian Joe and I saw a few weeks back at the Luna Theater in Lowell at the Greg Bogus Mondo Comedy Show. She was a fantastic guest. And last night, Joe and I took a little field trip to see our new friend um, do some stand-up and host a show. At, can I say the prestigious, the prestigious China Blossom? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, in, in North Andover, I uh, it, it took me back. It took me back to. It reminded me of my day. Day, literal day <laughs> of doing stand-up comedy at one of those kind of Dick Doherty type Chinese restaurant slash comedy shows. Yeah, Dick Doherty in the 80s was this guy in New England who pioneered running comedy events mostly at like restaurants, you know. I mean, there's all these VFW halls and and um, Knights of Columbus places where people, you know, four wall and rent things out. But he would make stable comedy nights at dozens and dozens of places. And this is one of those places that's been a comedy venue for 40 years. North of Boston, it's probably the biggest. But anyways, so we went there. Um, 
management is out of town. She is. She just saw two more Duran Duran concerts in Queens, New York, and then in Atlantic City with a friend of hers. But another friend of hers just got thrown like a, a curveball type, you know, thing, and you know, you know, broken up. And a really good friend of ours. So I told management, it's like, hey, Joe and I are going out. She knows Joe. She knows how annoying we are, and if she wants to put up with that, so she came out and we saw it. And the headliner was Tony V, somebody who's just a Boston legend. But again, friend of the podcast, Steve Bjork was on the lineup. Um, I don't remember the second guy. Uh, well, do you remember the opening act? I do remember. Why don't you talk a little bit about the opening act? <laughs> the opening act was a young comic. And by young, I mean literally 15 years old. Uh, his name was Dustin. I forget his last name. He was a, you know, clean cut, young, white kid uh, with kind of an unusual voice. He outed himself as somebody who was on the autistic spectrum. But man, he kind of gave Gilbert Gottfried a run for his money as far as the material goes. Because, uh, you know, he, he, he's young and green, you know, he's getting it all out there, maybe not reading the room properly, um, but made me laugh, um, what, be it, albeit I couldn't make eye contact with him and I had to look directly down into my lap on almost all the punchlines because I was, I felt like I needed an adult, <laughs> you know, like it was like, oh boy, like this is coming out of a 15 year old. But then I'm like, wait a minute, when I first started stand-up comedy, I was carry the one two years older than this, what this kid is now so i think that also added to my nostalgia or thinking back of when i was doing stand-up comedy back in 1997 sick no had have been 95 96 maybe i was yeah, like 19 yeah, just, 18 I left, 19 i left in 95 and okay. you, you had done it right so after. yeah like i was like 18 years old when I started doing stand-up. But yeah, this is like some young kid, but he's telling some blue... He was wearing a blue shirt and he was telling some blue jokes. Uh, about his mom. Yeah. Yes. Uh, about his mom and maybe other moms and maybe uh, school teachers and um, Michael Jordan made a cameo apparent, or at least not Michael Jordan himself per se, but maybe something he might have used that could be worth something um, now. But making the Gilbert comparison because of, again, the funky voice that he had. And I wasn't sure if it was a speech impediment, an affectation, or just... I don't think it was... I mean, I'm sure it was heightened, but I'm sure that's just kind of the way he talks. He was a young... He's a 15-year-old kid who's on the spectrum-ish, you know. But he was telling some pretty funny yeah. jokes, especially for a kid his age. And he wasn't, like, fumfering... He didn't freeze or blow at any of the lines. A lot lines. of confidence. Yeah. A lot of confidence. Right. A little too much confidence. I think he needs to be taken down a peg. Um, <laughs> but you know what? In, stick with it, kid. Either you're unscrewing it now, I believe. Are you? All right. Ready, right. Johnny right. left. Oh, him. okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm fumbling with the mic. Sorry. I, I love it. Um, but I think, um, yeah. No, he was definitely a memorable uh, comic, at least in my eyes. And it, it's funny because... Um, a couple weeks ago, Joe and I and our friend Wayne from, I don't know if they've changed their podcast. Our, our friend Wayne has this great podcast called open mic pain, but Joe and I were talking to him. It's like, you guys are past open mic comics now when your show's evolving. And I think they're kind of keeping the name, but changing. But anyways, we went with our friend Wayne to see, um, 
to go to Greg Bogus's show. Steve Bjork was an unexpected guest. It was great to see him. And then um, I went to see a show in Boston like the next weekend because our friend Jenny, again, another guest on the podcast, Jenny Howell, was hosting and Steve was on the list. And then this past week's guest, like Lauren, was hosting last night. And it was a big night for her because I think it's her first time hosting a big show. She is a former student of Tony V, the legendary Tony V. So I figured it'd be a great night. And, it, you know, just funny enough, I um, I was listening to Wayne's podcast and he was talking about Steve. I sent it to Steve saying, hey, you know, these guys are talking. You're really influencing this thing. Oh, by the way, I'm going to the show. And he's like, oh, I'm on that show. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I swear to God, Steve, I'm not stalking you. I'm, I'm really okay. Maybe a little, maybe a little. But this was supposed to be my, my week off. <laughs> I'm stalking you. Uh, but it was fun. It was really fun. So we, so we had a little carnival personnel. You know, two thirds of uh, the carnival personnel staff do do a uh, a little field trip. Um, Biff is not with us. Biff is having some function at his house today. I like to call ourselves Carnival Personnel East. <laughs> okay. You know, it, 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 the Teen Titans had divided up into the Teen Titans East and West for a good, you know, they, they had the, uh, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not going down the Titans rabbit hole. Um, I am in my head. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hosting two podcasts simultaneously. Yes. But, you know, Biff has a function at his house today, so he's doing his big shopping and all that, but. Joe and I went to this. We had a little field trip. We saw Lauren. She did great. Tony V was great. The room was a little flat, and this room sells out most of the time. Was I'm surprised with that lineup. It wasn't sold out. 80% capacity. It was pretty full. It was I mean, pretty full. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. And the lady, like the hostess who was sitting us, like, oh, look, this these seats right up front. Right near the splash zone. No. <laughs> And it's funny because most people are like, oh, that's great. I'm like, no, we know these comics and we also know their crowd work comics. Is that booth in the far corner back over there available? <laughs> yeah, we did not want to be commenting on our dress or appearance or, you know, who we were fucking or anything like that. You know, I didn't even want any implication that you and I might be an item. You know, it's just, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with it at all. Like, you know, I mean, you could do better. I, I think you Honestly, could do better. I was going to say the same about you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, our little field trip was fun. And then, you know, we got, we pulled back into, you know, my humble abode, um, 11. Yeah. Ish. 11 ish. And uh, and then and then that's when the partying started. That that's when the real right. Joe. You know, we put came the mirror out. down. Oh, and then you get the razor blade out, yep. and the and then we start cutting up that you know pure uncut Colombian uh, YouTube. That's what. <laughs> and by YouTube, I mean the David. That's the official David Letterman YouTube channel. Like Letterman runs that. Like his compound runs that channel, and they curate all those bits. And so they also made a playlist. Every couple of weeks or so, they have a, an, a staff member, former staff member, or somebody who'd written for the show, or even a celebrity enthusiast like Jimmy Kimmel, right. come on and do testimonials and say, "Hi, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I'm the host of Late Night, or you know, uh, with uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and I'm the world's biggest Jimmy uh, uh, David Letterman fan." 
I had a license plate that said yeah, late night. Late night. I had late night themed parties. I was known as the kid who watched late night in high school. That's Jimmy Kimmel was talking, and it's great. He's like, I that was my thing. That's what people knew me for. Right. I did this in lieu of dating kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And he would introduce his most memorable his most memorable bits, including the week where he. Uh, the letter, the Late Show went to Las Vegas, where he was living at the time, and Kimmel's telling the story. It's like, you know, when the late, late night was coming to Vegas, I would write, no, I would write in for tickets, not only from like my household, but from all of my neighbors' households. My my friend Cleo from across the street, you know, my grandfather, my uncle, and I said, if you get tickets, you have to take me as your plus one. And he went to every show that week in Las Vegas. And it was like, even said like there was a big billboard advertising for the late night uh, week in Las Vegas. And they actually had the Nevada license plate that said L eight space N I T E. That was the exact license plate that Jimmy Kimmel had for his car at the time. So it was like, what did he call it? Like the, the best week of his life. And, and they curate like, Either if it was a writer, oh, here's the first skit I write, or here was my favorite skit. And the one writer, it's like, before I came on the show, I fell in love with the show because of this skit. And then they were pulling out like semi obscure characters or this one writer guy who played Flunky the Clown. Yeah, Jeff Martin, who wrote for The Simpsons. And um, he was inspired by George Meyer, who had also written for The Simpsons. You know, they worked together on The Simpsons, but George Meyer was a writer on Late Night before Jeff Martin became a writer and also became Flunky the Clown. All you late night heads out there will remember Flunky the Clown. But they would play bits, just like, and you know, little one-off bits. Like, you would never, in no other context, would you seek out these bits other than the framing device that, oh, by the way, my name is Jeff Martin. I wrote for The Simpsons and for Late Night. And by the way, here's every sketch that I appeared in. You know, here's with, you know, me with Paul Schaefer doing a bit. And I played this guy who came in and got conked on the head by a fake girder that fell over Dave's desk. And um, yeah, it was just great nerdy comedy stuff. And also the way it was like a Whitman sampler of late night Letterman material and late show Letterman material. And it was like, you know, there was the funny stuff and then there was the heartwarming stuff and the poignant stuff and the heartbreaking stuff. And also the awkward stuff like Shirley MacLaine appearing on Letterman, calling him an asshole. Um, and, and not the joking around. Like she was like, no, she said, oh, maybe Cher was right. Cher was right. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he was asking her about a pa her, her past lives. Um, and then Jimmy Kimmel was framing that. He, he said that this is the first time I'm going to be seeing this sketch as well because I would stay up for every late night uh, appearance. And back then there were only two late night hosts, Carson and, and Letterman. And, you know, if you want, if you were a celebrity, you had to go on either show. Otherwise, you know, you weren't going to get on. And they didn't, the, the late shows didn't have to necessarily play nice with the guests because what else are you going to do? So they could be confrontational. They could bring up topics that could be, you know, a little, um, you know, uh, points of contention for the guests. But for this particular moment as a teenager, Jimmy Kimmel said, he was like, I, I was ready for this. I saw that Shirley MacLaine was going to be on. I was like, this is going to be gold. And I got in bed and I, you know, it was like a, you know, midnight. And I was like, I'm ready for this and I'm ready for this. And then I wake up at 3 a.m. with a pit in my stomach and I go, oh, no, I've missed the Shirley MacLaine appearance. So now I'm actually, thanks to YouTube, here, 
here's the, the Shirley McLean appearance that I missed as well. Anyway, we're not going to take you out of the route. I found a ladder. We can now climb out of this. And, and hole. then, you know, I want to break up the mountain a little bit. And I don't know why, but randomly I'm like, oh, let's watch a Welcome Back Carter. And then Joe found a Welcome Back Carter that happened to be written by Gary Shandling. And I wouldn't have known that had it not been in the episode description itself. No other episode description had the writer's name in it. It was just like, you know, oh, the, the sweat hogs uh, get into a, a fight with a rival gang or something like this. And then this one was, um, it was uh, Horseshack versus, uh, I forget the character's name, like uh, Palillo. No, that's Ron Palillo is the actor who played Horseshack. But uh, it was some sort of like rival tough guy. And in the description, it said, written by Gary Shandling. I'm like, oh, he wrote two episodes or whatever of Welcome Back, Cotter. We have to watch this one. And, the, of course, the tough guy that Horshack was fighting was played by Charles Fleischer, who did the voice of Roger Rabbit. He was in Back to the Future Part 2. Um, he might have been in Used Cars as well. But um, you know when you see him. And it's just like, it, it, by the way, like, I think the high school students – at this high school were too old for even Greece. Like they were like <laughs> really like this is like Beverly Hills 90210 times 10 in as far as the, the age disparity between the actors and the characters they oh, were portraying. No, he's going to be running a little late today to the set. He's dropping his kids off at high school <laughs> and then he's going to shoot right on over yeah. to the studio right. type thing. Uh, but it was a fun field trip and then, you know, uh, it, at that point, it was like three in the morning. Joe stayed over. Then we got up and we went to a quaint little, quaint little diner and uh, and the shitty of Lowell. Very nice. And now we're uh, doing this. Uh, but it was it was a fun night to go and see you know our friend Lauren. You know, hosting. She did a great job. That was the whole catalyst of like Joe coming over and doing that. And uh, and you know, um, as far as like my stuff, um, I, I, you know, just talking to Joe about this. I have to have my website up. I, I told like a booking person, it's like, okay, I'll have my website up. I have something on October 5th. And I was telling Joe, it's like, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm now getting, you know, calls to do regular book stuff. Can't do a lot of stuff. And we'll get into it in a little bit. Cause I went from having, uh, looking at the notes, zero sports kids to having two sports kids and just every waking moment. And even on the weekends, you know, I have stuff. It's nice that I'm getting offered stuff. It really is. And at the same time, it's not that I'm lazy. I was, you know, I, I, I preface that by saying, it's not that I don't want to do these things. I don't want it to become a job. I don't want to go out and have a book show two book shows every weekend and not have any kind of home life or life. This is a really fun hobby and I really like doing it and I like getting better at it. I like being asked to do stuff and you can only turn so much stuff down before people won't ask you again. So, but like I said to Joe, this is why I didn't become a porn star. Yeah. I mean, among the 23 other reasons you didn't become a porn star. And one of which was a cease and desist from porn. You're not you're not good at this. Right. <laughs> I've never seen a porn restraining order before. But the fact that yeah, you know, I I I I don't want to become jaded or this I don't want it to become like, oh, I have to go do this Knights of Columbus thing in the middle of Maine on a Tuesday for like, you know, um 
but it is. It's fun, but I am. I, I, I will be working on that. I did, however, last week, and I've joked about it before. Joe, I finally, I finally made it. Ah, yes, you were um, part of the the comedy show, The Golden Toilet, the Lowell uh, esteemed group. This is like the this is like SCTV for Lowell comedy. I don't know what this is. What is The Golden Toilet? Is it? A, it's it's a, it's a live show, right? It, it, well, it's a monthly. Uh, live tape uh, show. Oh, okay, so it's a it's a t- quote unquote TV show, studio audience and all wow. type thing. Like, is it at Steve Casco Casco's uh, level? <laughs> it is Steve Casco's level, right? But it's more like the host is great. Um, Katzos, Steve Katz, Cantos, can't no. can't it's it's Cantos. I'm pretty uh, sure I think it's Cantos. Katzos. Oh Siri! <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, but but this this you know this woman runs a show and it's a monthly thing, and I've joked about it before. It's like, oh, I can do all these places in Los Angeles, like acclaimed, famous, you know, but I can't. I haven't got asked to do the Golden Toilet. This I think it's been like five or six years. It's been running. Uh, our friend uh, Lloyd Sharp Legacy is um, Lloyd Legacy Sharp. Sorry, yeah. is now the permanent co-host or semi-permanent co-host. It was great seeing him. Um, but there was, it was a comic from Baltimore on the thing. Uh, one came up from an Island. There was one from Pennsylvania. So they shot two shows, the October and November one. And I was on the November one. So it won't be like eight, nine weeks until it's edited out there. And it did hearken me back to our formal edition days. Um, just being in a cable studio. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the the comedy will hold up. You know what I mean? Like comedy changes so quickly nowadays. That dated material from two months ago. Oh yeah, you know what's it's, all, you know all my all, all all those jokes you know that I have about you know the the Model T. It's just I don't know if they will. Uh, but it was it was it was fun. Um, the 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 it's so here's what's funny. You get the letter or the email that comes up before saying, hey, here's the directions. Here's this. Oh, by the way, we don't censor anything. This is your comedy. You know, where it's a safe space to be awful if you want. Say what you want. This, that. And a broadcast on, on the cable access station. I ended up having to have Squishy with me, the 13-year-old. And I was hoping that his mom would be able to pick him up in time. Not just. I don't care if he sees anything. What's he going to see that he doesn't already hear? But it was really funny when I walk into the studio and it's, it's like, ooh, uh, this show, you know, I don't know, you know, do you know? And I'm like, you air it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, now it's a little personal. Now, like, you know, you don't want to, just because kids might be watching at home doesn't right. mean you don't want to actually see the fucking kids watching you watch that. It's like, uh, uh, uh. you know, um, and so, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you don't want to say the R word in front of an R word. You know what I'm saying? You don't want the hey. redheads. Yes. <laughs> they, uh, but luckily, you know, management's like was able to get him before, uh, you know, the taping started. So it was great. Not that uh, it, it, it literally, it was, it's more about the comics being comfortable. Right. I, I agree. So I didn't want to throw anybody off because it was funny in LA at uh, the Tahoe theater where I did a big showcase, it's 13 plus show. 
no one brings a 13 year old except me and like when the first comic went up and saw him sitting at back it like it was this uh and i'm like <laughs> it's fine <laughs> you know right. what i mean he, yeah he has a growth issue he's actually seven <laughs> he's actually like 22 and plus he's not paying attention to <laughs> right, you right, <laughs> like, right. he's, he's got his phone he's playing like a fifa game yeah, you know he's gen z baby he doesn't give a shit well actually no what he's not even gen z what's their generation now Oh no! Is there no? That's we, we got to contend with another generation besides Gen Z. Oh dear! So we uh, so so the next thing. So um, I haven't been I barely been able to get out once a week to do this. A schedule thing happened, and last Tuesday I was able to do it. I went to the safe, but I got there really late. No, there'd only be a few people there, and it it was kind of fun because there was a bunch of annoying people at the end of the bar being really loud. And so I just did a little something different. I just pulled up a chair and there was a comic I like named James Hamilton sitting in front. I was literally less than a foot away from him. I'm like, I'm just going to do my comedy for you, James. And he took a picture and posted. It's like, this is the worst yet funniest lap dance I've ever got. (laughs) Um, And then it's funny. I've said I was not going to do the ambush open mics anymore. And what that means is, you know, these restaurants that are restaurants that all of a sudden, unbeknownst to clientele, are having a comedy show Wednesday night at 8.30. And so somebody might have gone in there the week before with a couple buddies on a Tuesday and then it's going back there. It's like, oh, yeah, that was a fun place. Yeah, yeah these, this this dish was great, so let's go have that. And now they're back there on a Wednesday not knowing they're about to deal with... You know, yeah, Shecky Green on stage. <laughs> I wish. Oh, please, yeah. But, but like, you know, anywhere from like six to ten awful comics. And then it's like, dude, they're not the assholes talking over the comics. They didn't come to a comedy show. They came to eat dinner and talk to their friends. You're bothering them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing those ambush shows anymore. Well, then, turns out, there's this nice, I didn't even know it was there, like a mile and a half away, you know, tucked into this golf course near us, uh, the the Chateau Chateau Merrimack. You know, it looks like a ski lodge type place, and it's like, oh, my friend James is doing a booked show there. It's a three comic show, and that's what I thought. And I went over, you know, paid my ten bucks, met on another comic friend, Sean. We both like James. We're like, oh, let's go see him. Then it turns out to basically be a glorified open mic for all these other comics I know in in the Lowell area. It's like. Where they pay ten bucks to see the same people read their jokes off the phone that I just saw at the safe two nights earlier. It's like now I feel like I'm an ambushed um, type thing, but I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be more careful about going to these now too. So unless, unless I basically know Steve Bjork, so uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's the only time you'll get into the Chateau Merrimack for ten bucks. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so I do, I'm, I'm going to have my website up. Uh, I also am putting a website together because I decided, I was just telling Joe about this. I've been working on it with another friend of the podcast, uh, Sam Hirschdick, who is our resident, what is his title? Well, like uh, DCU or uh, Arrowverse. The Arrowverse. Correspondent. Uh, a senior. I, be- I believe he is the senior, senior. Arrowverse correspondent, which by the way, it's now the Arrowverse is over. I mean, he's out of a job. So luckily- yeah, but they can do these rewatch shows. Oh yeah, you know that, that that's the thing now, right? I mean, you have the original casts doing rewatch shows of their own shows, which is interesting and I mean a little douchey, a little um, high gloss, not as in depth. I don't know. Yeah, 
but yeah, you know, the but, Office Ladies podcast or Parks and Recreation or Parks and Conversation, whatever the fuck. But Fly on the Wall is essentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't to do a level, but they don't do like episode by episode rewatch. But it's, but it, I like Fly on the Wall. Don't I'm not don't bat no Fly I'm, on the Wall <laughs> slander here, my friend. But uh, but yeah, and it's like, but I do. I have to. I have to find an editor to add some clips, but we are putting together a 24-hour filmmaking contest. And 24 sim- or 48? 24. Ooh. So you come in. It's going to be Thursday, December 7th. We're going to meet at mill number five. They're giving us a space to do this. People can zoom in. We're going to cap it at 30 teams doing six-minute films. What kind of films are they going to make, Joe? Who knows? That's right. Because we're going to just put a bunch of subjects in a hat and and pull the subject out of the hat type thing. Um, so that, that way nobody can plan. It's nobody- kind of like the way M. Night Shyamalan picks projects now. It's like <laughs> a subject in the hat, a little twist at the end. It's a twist. And uh, yeah, so so we're uh, I'm excited about that. So I'll be putting a couple of those things together. And um Great. Yeah. No. I'm, I. It's, I just. It's like a little South by Southwest. Here. Because the boys have so much stuff going on. There's so few projects I can get involved in that are full time thing before getting pulled away. It's the most ADD thing you could do. Is a 24 yep. hour film festival. They're going to go. Yeah. Hey, want to write? Let's go to the movies. Let's go watching. And then when they go to the candy. <laughs> and so yeah. So you have 24 hours to upload it into the Dropbox. And then the fall and on so Friday night by nine o'clock you have to have it submitted, and uh, then on Saturday we are going to have the screening and the award show. And aren't you? Did you also say that each movie is going to have to have some elements that need to be included in the movie itself? Not just like it's going to be a sci-fi. Do any sci-fi movie? Right. No, it's like no. It has like there has to be a scene in which a guy has a blue shirt or they they walk through a door or yep. there's a plunger or something like some sort of like scavenger hunt. The, well, it's funny that you say scavenger hunt. So there's usually with these festivals, there's like three elements that you have to include in. Like a, this kind of prop has to be in it. It can be used as uh, a, a, a tool to move the foist or it, or, uh, or it could just be in the background, but you have to have a shot with that. Yeah, there has to be, somebody has to walk through a door wearing a blue shirt, that type. But we are, and I talked to the guy from mill number five, it's like, we might, so there, there will be judged on X number of things like creativity, this, that, the other thing. But then there will be like extra bonus points if you we're going to have a scavenger hunt element where maybe you have to have a shot of a historical place in Lowell and we'll give you a cryptic. Here's some scavenger hunt things. I'll probably reach out to two of the three, three or four owners of different, the record store, this little fun Nick next door called pop culture. Our friend, you know, Jenny, who owns a yoga studio there that you have to take a picture or there's, it has to be a shot tie to like the scavenger hunt question that you answer. And if it's in there, an extra point, uh, I've started to talk to the judges, you know, and all people have been on the podcast, our friend Ronick, who's, you know, sold 20 TV shows, our friend Tom Rogan, who is maybe I can see if he'd be interested, but he has a background in the arts and entertainment people, you know, other, other people. You're naming may, the judges now so that no, the contestants can reach out, reach out to and, right, and, 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 and you, you, and Joe, Joe, Joe will be, uh, Joe will be one of the, one of a steam. Very judgmental. That's why you'd be perfect, you know? Uh, It stinks. (laughs) Hello. Jealous. Jealous. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited to have uh, that because, you know, um, yeah, we know we'll get into the sports things in a bit, but yeah, it just breaks up a lot of the stuff that's going on, and uh, you know what? Yeah, we will get into sports thing. So as I've been talking, my oldest kid is. Not a sports kid has never watched a football game in his life. Like if you collectively put the times he has sat down and watched a play or drive or a highlight in the background, I haven't watched a game in a few years. So he doesn't know the name of positions, but he lives in Lowell. He goes to school in Tingsboro, but he's playing for Drake at high football. Makes sense. Uh, Tracks. Yep. And, uh, but in this past week is, uh, you know the 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 ugly, the politics and the all the other stuff in sports that I've been successfully able to shield them from, such as concussions. You know, uh, never been a sports kid. As soon as they're into anything, we push all the chips in it. As if it's piano, guitar, whatever they've been into. You know, we've been overly supportive for. It. So he wanted to do this, gave it a try, and had his first scrimmage last Saturday and it was fun because it was only the kids from his school who are new to this, like the 14 kids and like the freshmen from this high school. So it was only 20 kids out there, but then he had his real game this past week, his first real game. And he got his number the week before. And as a fundraiser, the school had a, you know, you can buy shirts and sweatshirts with your kid's name and number on it. And we, you know, Bought one for Grammy and for me and for him and for, you know a few hundred dollars worth of this stuff. Uh, Thursday, the day of the game, he was wearing his jersey. We take pictures at the house before, and he's proud. And then he gets to the game, and he had to give that number to a kid who's not playing, but had you know was on injury service. A big kid, they don't have a shirt for him, so now he's wearing a different number. And we're like, uh, we just spent four hundred dollars on stuff to support this, and they that just, only infuriates me a lot. And and we're like, okay. It turns out, like, after the game, the kid tried to bully him. And he's, like, you know, like a junior, senior, probably twice the size of my kid. And of the things I'm proudest of, he's like, no, that's my shirt. You're giving it back. <laughs> like, like, you know, he's not a tough kid at all. But he's also not a doormat. You know, he's like, the the, the be, be careful of the quiet ones. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, so that was good. Long story short, they're getting their ass kicked. They're, his team is getting their ass kicked. And Drake at high forfeited their first game. They didn't have enough players. There's a state requirement that says you have to have X amount of players on your roster and dress for a game to play. There is nothing in the rule book that says an elephant can't pitch, however. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so... That's why the call went out to a couple charter schools in the area that kids from Derek could go to. Hey, please come and save this program. Well, it turns out they didn't want players to come and play. They just needed to meet that minimum requirement. And they're getting killed at this point. It's like 50 to 10, something crazy, or 50 to 12, something absolutely crazy. The only time the visiting team didn't score, the only time they didn't score is... They had fumbled on the Drake at one at one point <laughs> and then Drake, it ended up going like three and out punting the ball. And then they scored on the next possession, like one play later, but Drake, it was only playing the same 15, 16 kids on the roster. And even my 80 year old mom notices Both offense and defense, offense and defense, total number of kids, like 15 or 16 playing this 11 kids on special team, 11 kids on offense, 11 players on defense. And they're using the same 
15, 16 kids at one point, you know, when the ball would be turned over from offense to defense, three or four kids would run off and three or four kids would be on, but the line would all be the same. You know, oh, you're you're an offensive guard. Now you're defensive end. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of stuff. At one point, they turned the ball over on four downs with like 30 seconds left in the third quarter, truly down by over 30 points. All 11 kids on offense stayed on defense, even the quarterback. And my mom is a pretty savvy sports person, looks at me and goes, Oh, I guess they want their quarterback to get hurt. <laughs> like, like, why are you? Why is the quarterback now playing safety? Yeah. Like, like, why is that kid on the field? Um, so finally, you know, uh, it's a fourth quarter. Some kid got hit on the sideline on the far sideline of Drake. It right on the sideline, and you know the coaches, trainers, you know, you know, kind of go out check out the kid, and then you know here comes my kid, him and another kid come trotting out on the field. I'm like, well, finally, like, yeah, there's only like 10 minutes left, but he's going to get, and I move to the end of the stadium and go a couple rows back so I can get the best vantage point for videotaping his play. Hold on a minute. <laughs> it turns out, funny story, uh, him and the other guy were sent onto the field to help that other player across right. the field. Yeah. And back. And, and look, all the FNH guys know, like the first game I had in juniors, we had a very long bus trip. We had a very, very long bus trip, you know, of, you know, from Boston up to Sarnia, Ontario. And the only time I got on the ice the entire game is in the second period. The goalie got a penalty. And, and now the rule is if you're on, the, somebody has to be served the penalty who's on the ice if the goalie gets a penalty. Um, back then or what, I, I served the penalty. So I skated across <laughs> to the penalty box, got in the penalty box and under coach's orders, I don't care if the puck comes this way and you're going to be on a breakaway. You get back to the bench <laughs> and I skated across the bench and that was it. The right. only time I, my blade touched the ice other than warm up was to serve the goalies penalty in the second period. But at least I want to say Sarnia is like an 11 hour drive each, each way, <laughs> you know? So, so I, my heart just sank for him, but then, then, then the moment of glory, two minutes and 20 seconds left. He comes out. The other team has the ball. It's like first and whatever Oh boy. First and 10. And, uh, and, and he plays and, you know, he's not in on the tackle, but he's there, you know, he, stalemate with the person he's holding off the run went to the other side type thing uh it, it was good it was just good to wait, wait, wait where's he going why is he coming off the field what is happening they took him off the field for the last three plays and what's the other team took a knee like you couldn't even leave him out there right right exactly like he wasn't good enough to be trusted to kneel <laughs> down on the snap and what i say when I say the other team won like 50, Drake ended up having like 20 points or something like that. After the first quarter, the other team never threw the ball again. It, 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 they just, and not even running. They just, I, I don't even think they ran. I mean, I think they just walked. <laughs> right? And then one kid had a lift. Like that was, I don't think that was legal. And, and you noticed at halftime, Oh wait, the other team is only using obviously underclassmen. Like like he's using a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> they they did. And so they didn't score on their fifth possession when they fumbled the ball on the one. Oh, and this is my favorite part. Okay. And then they didn't score on their last possession because they took a knee at Drake. It's five. <laughs> 
Like, like, are they called the Drake Generals? No, I just want to know. They're the mid. They're the middies, and because and it makes no sense. Their logo is an anchor, like the facility where there's a big complex where there's an elementary school, the junior high, and the high school used to be a factory that made parts for ships during World War II. Uh-huh. So, oh, okay. so, and and so, and I, I was asking, it's like, what the hell's a midi? You know, and that was explained. Anyways, wow. here's my favorite part. And here's why I stopped watching the NFL. Drake it is, and the two games that I've, the three games that I've seen so far, nobody kicks extra points. And I think it's because nobody can. Like nobody works to be a punter or a field goal kicker. And so they all go for two. And at this point, the other team scores a touchdown. They're going to kick a field goal. It is at this point in the game, it's 50 to 16. The extra point gets blocked by Drake it. And the kid who blocked it ran 50 yards down the field celebrating. Like celebrating like that was blocking the kick. Like, oh, if they kick this extra point, they tie the game and we go to overtime. If I block it, I win the Super Bowl. He went 50 yards down the field. At F&H. I think he just wanted to get some exercise. Well, really, like you know, you at, at F and H, there's been more than a couple times where it's eleven fifteen at night. It's eleven. I'm on a team that's winning by six goals or losing by seven, and I'll score a goal, and I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I will over the top do that. You know, just to... I love how you admit to doing that, and I remember. Clearly, like you admonishing players for showboating after making the most basic plays. Right. It's just like, come on, man. You know, act like you've been there before. <laughs> and, and that's the whole thing. It's like the thing, you know, because I would do that to do. <laughs> but this kid and, and management starts like squeezing my leg, saying, "Stop it, stop it." It's like you don't know if his parents are in the stand. Like they could be right by. So I'm like. I wasn't, it was inflective. It, it literally made me start laughing so hard. Like I've never, because in the NFL, you would see that, you know, it, it's first and 10 from like the 35 and a lineman will make like a, or my favorite thing is one time, you know, Brady's going to get sacked. He just goes down. He he didn't take necessary hits and the guy Taps him on the shoulder. Taps him. And literally started doing the King Kong pounding his chest, <laughs> taking like five yard like strides downfield, like these big stronger, you know, and like, like the big stomps, yeah. And then I remember like Brady gets up, looks down, threw the ball right at his position next play. It turned out to be like a 15-yard pickup. Uh-huh. And like, you're celebrating a stop. But in this case, but it was, it was all the politics. And then there's 14 kids from his school. Uh, 10 of them didn't play a down at all. And two of them like him played a play or two. And then a couple, there's one player who's like six twelve, you know, and he's as wide as he's tall. Who's played a, a few plays. But if they miss a practice, God have mercy on their souls. Yeah. And it's just this, you know, they did They, you know, they, they made a big deal about kids coming late to practice. There's no bus from his school there. You know, this just dropped it out of the lap. We're saving your program and you're giving kids a hard time because they're showing up to 445 instead of 430. And, and I even said to, you know, the person who runs a program, I'm like, uh, why are you making 15-year-olds who don't have their license or access to get here any other way to save your program? 
a hard time, you know? I'm baffled that they're even allowing kids, like, there's no age. This is a varsity football team. Right. Like, there's no age restriction or any sort of, like, regulation. Like, like even like the minor thing. Like, okay, at least at least not have freshmen playing on varsity, regardless of their physical physicality. But I don't know. I don't know. They just needed, they needed, like you said, Johnny Bravos to fit the suits. That's it. And it's like, and so now he's like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to keep doing this. Like as soon as the one crack in the armor is shown, like he's just like, oh, you know what? I'm out. I'm, that's enough. And, and that's the thing. It's like, he doesn't mind all the thing. And, and it was one of those things we talked on the way home. And he, even he said, it's like, if it was 24 to 20, it's a close game. Don't play anybody. I get that. He he understands earning your spot. He understands you just joined. He understands he understands he doesn't know all the names of all the positions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he understands that. But at, at this other point, it's like we're just practice dummies at practice. And oh, that was the one thing. It's like there was a couple of kids who are tough guys at practice who like kind of play a little beyond the whistle. Hmm. The toughness wasn't there against the other team, you know. It's ah, like they weren't bringing that 110 percent attitude with them to when it counted. Oh, just when you're going up against freshmen from another school who's never played before, you're a tough guy. Yes. It's like okay, all right, but that was the whole thing. It's like when you're losing 50 to to 20, and they've been using their third string since the first quarter, and you, you won't. Still, you still got to run through the bag. You, you know? know, you gotta, you gotta, you still gotta. Go out there and play like it's, uh, you know, a tie game or nothing, nothing, whatever. So, hey. uh, so that hey, you know, but enough of my stuff. You had a field trip with your kid this week. Oh yes, that's a- right. A- at the uh, at the um, at the, uh, I don't know if you would say you know on on behalf of, but your other son made this whole thing happen. My older son is working at Blue Man Group in Boston. Um, if you don't know who Blue Man Group is, welcome to Earth. <laughs> And also, <laughs> might I direct you to the Arrested Development sketch where um, uh, Tobias Funke uh, decides to join Blue Man Group, played by the great David Cross. Um, a classic sketch. Anyway, so um, he wasn't working this weekend, but they did offer him comp tickets for like four guests. So uh, I invited Jockey. Um, boldfacedly told me uh, go fuck myself so i did and then after i was finished i decided to ask my younger son if he wanted to bring a friend and he did so it was my two sons and my younger son's friend and i uh wife couldn't make it because she is, told you to go fuck yourself yes and uh, which i did and i was like wow a twofer <laughs> twice in one day and but no you know what it is there's you can sit in areas where you, there's like you're not in the splash zone because Blue Man Group is very audience interactive and, you know, people, men uh, drenched in latex paint will come out and possibly touch you. My wife has an allergy to latex, oh. you know, among the other annoying allergies. Yes, and all allergies are annoying. I'm sorry. If you have an allergy, you are annoying and this will never change. No, but he, uh, so she, she said, no, no, you go. Um, so we went, and it was a fine show. Uh, I've never seen Blue Man Group ever. Um, they are a staple in the Boston area now. They, they, they've they been at the Charles Playhouse since probably 97 or 5 or 1 or whenever the hell they started. Whenever they took over for 
What was the toilet paper one? Huh? The people who had like the machine. Oh, 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 like what? Oh, uh, oh, uh, Mumenshansa. Right. Right. Thank you, Mumenshansa. Yeah, that, that was what <laughs> they made fun of that on. Um, Chris Elliott made fun of that on David Letterman way back in the eighties. Mumenshans. Jesus Christ. I didn't know about Moomin Shans until I saw that Chris Elliott bit on David Letterman like, you know, 10 years ago. All the commercials were endless on like WV, uh, WLVI. LVI, yeah. Like Channel 56 and stuff? Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I just blocked those. You know what? If it wasn't a Tom and Jerry cartoon, I was out. <laughs> I was watching something else. But in any case, yeah, no, it was, and it was actually the debut of their latest iteration of Blue Man Group's show. Like they've made tweaks and updates and stuff uh, to their show. And um, yeah, it was a fun experience. I also kind of felt like a bit of a throwback. You know, I think the audience was into it. You know, they were, you know, affable and, you know, up for a good time. But it felt like that sort of audience interaction was maybe more novel back in the 90s than it is now. Like now everybody seems, I think everybody's a star now. Because right. of social media, everybody's used to being on or interactive or they insist upon themselves in certain situations like where they make themselves the star. So the attention, the attention you get from these uh, from Blue Man Group now as an audience member is sometimes less special. I don't know. But it was fun. They, uh, they knew exactly like who like the demographic of the people who they were going to bring out for certain events, you know, like they, they, they play out the scenarios out on stage. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it's good time. I, I think, uh, Connor, uh, my older son, uh, kept some toilet paper that they, you know, sh cause they have the colored toilet right. paper and, it, you know, and as it was coming out of the ceiling, I was like, Oh, they didn't have any of this in the men's room. <laughs> the toilet paper hey oh um yeah it was it was a fun time and you know i'm glad i went and uh now he can quit the job and go back to you know he, he he'll be working this week and um earning a living god damn it um <laughs> you know it was fun time and um I'm, you know maybe next time Maybe next time if we get some more comp tickets. I won't tell you to fuck yourself. No. Oh, I will, but I'll still go. Yeah, okay. exactly right. Uh, speaking about everybody wanting to be a star. Yeah, circling back to the comedy show we went to last night. Just, I don't remember him. Uh, we I, I couldn't see the person heckling. Could you see the person heckling? Was that a heckle? There was a guy on the, so we sat, you know, uh, stage, stage right. right. You know, in the far corner, far corner, like seriously, in a, in a booth. We could see the comics' ass more than you could the face. You know, we're kind of parallel with them, but just a little, just you know, behind their line of sight. Line. And on the same side, on the other side, there was a guy. And what was he yelling? Like, him, 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 him. And he did it kind of as a laugh at one point, and then did it again, and it threw Steve for a second, and he kind of like, oh, what were you saying? And and he said it right before a punchline, right. At one point, you know, it was, uh, and you know, I have this on the rundown. It was, uh, it was this perfectly timed Bubba Booey almost. Steve calls it out, and then you can see this is a 30 plus year professional touring comic who also has a moment of that might be a medical thing. And he asks, it's like, if it's a medical thing, I'll, I'll, I won't bother you the rest of the night. Is it a medical thing? It's a medical thing. Okay. Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. Enjoy the rest of the show. 
And then he goes back and he goes, um, yeah, that, I, I, won't, I won't lie. That kind of shook me. You know, like he kind of like, you know, got a little flustered, but then he regrouped and went right back into the routine. But it was weird. And then the guy did it a few more times. Yeah. Did he do it for other yeah. times? And yeah. Then, and then, no, I think he might have. Did he stop after Steve? I think he might have. Well, it's funny. Oh, did he leave? So <laughs> when I took the Mike Katrobus class, the hosting class, I guess is a term inside this industry and and steve didn't say it but maybe somebody if somebody is being like that you can say oh you know i'm not gonna bother you yesterday hey can we get this guy a coke that's code to get him out of here throw him out without calling attention to it without making a big deal that's that's the polite way and so like that's the phrase that has been going on in the clubs for absolutely everything it's like hey can we get my friend a coke over here yeah. kind of diffuses it whatever but yeah then afterwards we find out no it wasn't a medical thing he was just being an asshole really yeah oh. that's what steve was saying when he came over oh, and see, stuff I, like I, that. I was well behind I, I i got my wallflower position when you and steve get talking i get a, a drifting no. i get I, I i fade into the background like yeah. homer simpson into the bushes you know, and it's funny that that is the best meme ever <laughs> best meme ever mets fans at the seventh inning. <laughs> you know <laughs> oh you know for, for a second i'm like oh the friend we brought you know it's like yeah having you know the apps and stuff haven't worked out and steve's whole routine is like yeah who wants to uh, date this thing you know it's like eh, maybe i'll say i'll introduce them uh type thing but it was it was it was it was a fun night but, no, but when you said the the blue man period everyone wants to you know be part of it um so joe you don't you don't have like a big backyard but there's a backyard there I barely could could you could no. you ha could you house if you had to like a stealth fighter in your backyard. If you could, you wouldn't see it. <laughs> because uh turns out we're missing one. Oh. Have you heard about this? Uh, no. The Pentagon mm -hmm. is putting flyers on telephone poles around the TC area. They have a missing, uh, I think it's like an F-35. I've heard conflicting stories. $80 million or $100 million stealth fighter. Last seen over which uh, country that we're not so uh, you know happy with. It's one of those things where you know took off from an air force base stateside, hmm. and seen. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so on one hand, is there an app like you know find my fighter? <laughs> you know I don't know if they put an air tag in it. It's like hundred million dollar fighter didn't have the extra thirty five dollars <laughs> for the Apple, uh, which by the way management's work key she has a car for the family she works for a car and there's an then there's an air tag on it it's really interesting your phones will ding and they, they'll say that and something's been tracking you for the past well they kind of have to because, right because you know hey but, people have been using that to track women but she, right right you know or me don't you know what i mean well you've been using it to track well, women. yes thank you <laughs> but uh but yeah it's like i'll be sitting on the couch and she'll pick up her purse to go to work and i'll get the text message there's an air track or moving near you like like oh that's right. it's coming from inside the house <laughs> but I, but yeah so yeah so the f-35 they're missing fly. one it's been missing and it's been missing for a little bit let now. me guess thousand dollar reward <laughs> but i love the have you seen me <laughs> you know <laughs> you know answers to the name smitty you know right. it's like uh but but it likes rubs on bellies what's funny is and none of the news stories i've seen it's like yeah, you know, it took off. 
and this and the pilot haven't been seen. It's like, you know, we don't care about the pilot. Right. <laughs> you know? Golly. But they cannot find a missing $100,000. Well, hey. $100 million, Sorry, hundred, either $80 million or $100 million. I guess it works. You know? So that's the upside. That's the good takeaway. Right. You know? Well, Glass kinda, half full. Right. I mean, it's not. I mean, hey, how did Wonder Woman ever find her invisible plane? You know? Like, and, did she have one of those little whoop, whoop? You know, like just just the brilliance of it looks like she's taking a dump in the sky. Right. She's like, you, it doesn't it doesn't cover her when she gets into the plane. It's just that she's in an invisible plane. So she's just a woman in the sitting position floating through air. And she flies. Right. You know, the, the, right. I, I was rewatching the Justice League uh, series. From That's my, like giving <laughs> Superman a helicopter. Right. <laughs> But I was. I was watching the Justice League Unlimited series from 2003. Um, Great series. Like a boss. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole thing where Flash is doing commercials and they're kind of embarrassing the rest of Justice League. I was like, yeah, but I brought the sweet van in Greenland. It's like, why do you need a van? <laughs> like the whole thing. And it's like, yeah, he has a van. He's like, we can do a road trip. It's like, Greenland can fly. You can run faster than <laughs> the speed of light. You can run so fast. You can travel through time, but you need the A-team's van. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, what if he wants to play PlayStation? You, you know, know, I get it. I get it. So, um. So we're only going to talk politics for a second because I don't – will the government shut down affect this podcast? I hope so. Okay. Please. <laughs> you know. Oh, Lordy, I hope that the <laughs> shutdown affects this podcast. You know, I just heard like the governor of Arizona is going to be enacting in a governor of Arizona like two governors ago during another shutdown is – enacting a very small hardly known law where she can appropriate uh state lottery money to keep the grand canyon open well the grand canyon will always be open you can you can't yeah. you know national Re- well i mean until they run out of landfill oh that's true that is true but uh but you know to pay for like the tourism parks and stuff like that to stay open because like that's their big touristy thing you know that that's that that's all they got. Yep, they ain't got a Vegas. They ain't got you know uh, all this other shit. So she's like doing that. But yeah, and the and the great thing, and my great thing, I mean the horrible thing is probably the worst twenty people that our country has is is leading the charge. You know, we're talking the kind of people who can't go to local theater and and let a pregnant woman sitting next to them enjoy a show without giving a hand job while vaping and singing along at least recording Oof. the the show yeah which can't vape inside right shouldn't vape period but next to a pregnant woman who politely asks you to stop you can't tape somebody's performance like that's all illegal i don't know in the state of colorado if giving handies in a theater is I I know I, I mean Alanis Morissette saying about going down in a theater. Yeah, that's that true. Was, that, but that she's was Canadian. Cal- that was Canadian. True. She's from Vancouver. That's right. And it was Dave Coulier. Dave, How do you resist that's that? That's the best. That, that, <laughs> that's the best. The absolute best part of that story. <laughs> but this is far cry from Alanis Morissette or Dave Coulier. We're talking about Lauren Bolbert of Colorado. My favorite thing that I've heard about this situation is like, someone's like, I didn't imagine that she's the go to the other type. 
And somebody said, oh, she wasn't. Somebody in the theater said Bobert three times. <laughs> and she appeared at the Beetlejuice table. You know what? It's so funny because she did everything wrong. And then she did everything that you would expect a politician on the Republican side to do when they get called out for bad behavior. They immediately get uh, blame the Democrats. Because that's what she did. She she went on. A, she was there on a date with uh, a man who, by the way, owns uh, bars that host drag nights. Apparently, but the boyfriend was a Democrat, and of course, you know, after she was called out for her bad behavior at the club or at the uh, show, she said, "That's the last time I dated a Democrat." So she has five kids, and it doesn't matter. And if you one have- grandkid. It- it doesn't matter if you have one kid or ten kids. You have you you have a right to get out and see the house. So I don't like doing the whole, you know. It's like why wasn't she home with her kids thing? But who? But who had her grandkid? She's thirty six or thirty seven, mm-hmm. and has a grandkid. Right. So she had her first kid at sixteen Something or like seventeen. Probably like seventeen. And then her oldest had a kid at sixteen. Yeah. Family value. So, well, so, right. so she's the she's one of those Bible thumping family value type people. Well, at least they didn't get an abortion. That's true. So you know what? Sticking to yeah, it. You know, sticking know. to it. Uh, but yeah, grandmother at thirty seven giving hand jobs. Now, granted, there are some people in tough situations who might be thirty seven five kids who kind of have to you know are trying to make ends meet. Uh, but yeah, everything about that. And that's one of the 20 people who are going to shut down the government. That and Matt Gates, who, you know, I don't know how with the Venmo transaction of here's the money to bring the under 18 girl from one state to another so I can fuck her is not in jail, let alone getting to shut down the government. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know what? Lauren Bobert, uh, she's a fun girl. I gotta, say. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta say, there's something of something about like those images was just like, man, she's a despicable, dirty, dirty girl. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I don't want her making any sort of legislative decisions for our government at all. But she looks like she uh, likes to have fun. <laughs> I, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, it's it's not, it's not. When you hear the QAnon conspiracies that it's like, uh, that's not really Biden. That's about, oh, no. Um, the guy, the guy uh, who they're changing the laws for so he can wear his sweatshirts. Oh, Fetterman? Fetterman had to come out and say, no, I'm not a body double. I'm really Fetterman. Like, and it wasn't like, QAnon online people doing it's Congress people saying that's not the real Fetterman that's a body double you know filling in for him right now because he's you know he's an invalid at home it's like so he had to you know address those things but yeah it's like it's not one of those crazy conspiracy things she was a she was a sex worker you know now whether she really whether Ted Cruz was really a client of hers or not that's I don't know if has been substantiated, but it's substantiated that she was a sex worker. And and I don't say that like in a bad way or looking down, but it's like, yeah, this is the family value person who, who met her husband when he was arrested and did a few, he did a little stint at the gray bar hotel for showing his penis to underage girls at a bowling alley or ex-husband or in the process of it. But yeah, those are the people who are deciding 
whether, you know, grandma's getting her social security check next month. And see. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you up for doing a self-indulgent theater doing white and nerdy? All right. So what am I going to just pull up this white and nerdy on karaoke and sing it? And, and, and sing it. Uh, as what, like a Bernie Sanders or... Oh, Bernie? Bernie be good. The He's whole thing is Bernie? White and nerdy. You know what? You want to mix in some of your other, some of my other favorite voices? You you go right <laughs> That's ahead. A, this is going to suck, but... So, right. Yes, but it's going to be awesome. It'll be our sucking. All right, well, let's see how it goes. They see me mowing my front lawn. I know they're all thinking I'm so white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Can't you see I'm white and nerdy? Look at me, I'm white and nerdy. I want to roll with the gangsters. And so far, they all think I'm too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. I'm just too white and nerdy. Really, really white and nerdy. First of my class here at MIT. Got skills. I'm a champion in DMD. MC Escher, that's my favorite MC. Keep it 40, I'll just have an ogre IT. My rims never spin to the contrary. You'll find that they're quite stationary. All of my action figures are cherry. Stephen Hawking's in my library. My MySpace page is all totally pimped out. Got people begging for my top eight spaces. Yo, I know pie to a thousand places. Ain't got no grills, but I still wear braces. I order all my Sandwiches, mayonnaise. I'm a wizard, mind sweeper. I can play you for days. A bunch of sweet, sweet moves. You'll see me amazing. Because moves so fast, like they take places and don't kill a rap. I haven't run at Pascal. Well, I'm number one. Two vector calculus just for fun. I ain't got a gap, but I got a soldering gun. Happy days is my favorite theme song. I'll sure kick a button to game of ping pong. I'll quiz and show me a quiz you bring on. I'm fluent in JavaScript as well as Klingon. now back to your regularly scheduled program and, all right on a fun note uh what are you doing gaming wise over at the museum <clears throat> what am i doing gaming wise uh well i went through my uh, sega master system story last time you've seen the, the new museum um I, honestly nothing that I could uh, deem worthy enough to bore this audience or any audience with, you know, I've been, uh, you know, just kind of, um, mostly just watching YouTube stuff, um, watching and, uh, watching and downloading episodes of prices, right. From 1982 through 1985. Yeah, before, my- before we went to see the Steve Bjork, Lauren Sims show, uh, we watched about two hours, hour and a half. An hour. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think one episode. I only put you through one episode. Oh, yeah, but you showed me a bunch of amazing clips. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, so, but, oh, yes, an hour, an hour and a half's worth of Price is Right, which I was sick last week, and um, which is why I wasn't on the podcast or sideshow last week with Lauren. But, um, so I got sick, like, basically, like, Friday night, and then I kind of got better Monday morning, so my entire weekend was ruined. But... I did feel extra nostalgic because not only was I sick in bed, I was sick in bed watching The Price is Right, almost exclusively because of that 24-hour channel that's on uh, Pluto TV for The Price is Right. And you get the Drew Carey era as well. And they were like, I think I I bounced around. I went from Family Feud Classic to Price is Right Barker era to maybe a little Hollywood Squares, 2003 Tom Bergeron, you know, mixed it up. So, yeah. 
nothing like being sick at home where you're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm a, I'm usually a dumb person, but now I'm going to be extra dumb and turn the brain all the way off and just try to guess on how much that uh, Cadillac from 1985 is worth. You were so much closer than I was. Because I had been boning up on my like, 1983 like, I think prices. I said like eight thirty thousand. You're like, no, that's seventeen eight five. <laughs> I don't know if it has the option of the power windows. Right. Which, which completely sidebarred, aside from nothing, I don't know how it came up in conversation. It doesn't matter. I asked Joe the really thoughtful, probing, maybe a little invasive question last night leaving the comedy club. Has your oldest son ever been in a car that have windows that you manually roll down? No, I don't think he's been kidnapped yet. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know how that came up, but we were talking about something. I'm like, okay, so he's 23. There's a really good chance the answer is no. He's not been in a car no. where the windows rolled out, well, yeah. like manually rolled out. Right. So, uh, no, I can't. I, I can't imagine. No, he, 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 he was a never. He doesn't know a world without internet, nor does he know a world where you use a crank to roll down a window uh, in but a car. He does know his father's love, and that's what's really important. Um, gaming for me, haven't touched a game in months. Good for you. Months. However. My oldest kid, what what time did he come out of his 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 hovel like two in the morning last night? To, yeah. All excited that Resident Evil Four just has its long awaited like a year in the making VR update, right? Um, you can play Ava. You can play the game like the Ava oh. walkthrough. Oh, so the three, so the uh, the remake, right? Is now you can play as Ava. Like Ava pops up in the story a couple times, and like, but now you see her whole story, like you know, wow. which is great, which is always a. Fan I thought you were meant. I thought you were mentioning like because the, the, there's a there's a VR version of right. Resident Evil Four. The VR version of Resident Evil Four last year when it came out was not the game of the year was not the best Resident Evil game. It was by every magazine, every aficionado, every critic, the best virtual game, the best VR game available on the Oculus was Resident Evil 4. I couldn't play it. I, I, I could too not have scary. to. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's too immersive. And also, you know, with the motion. Yeah. Because people do get sick. I get, you know, I get motion sick playing first person shooters for like, you know, two hours. I'd be like, you know, eh, maybe take a break here. I remember when Batman was my thing. Um, the Batman will always be my thing, just to preface that. But when the Batman Arkham game came out, I was like, little guys born like 2006, 2007. And I'm playing it, played it a lot back in LA. We came here to visit my parents or visit whatever. My parents have a very big screen TV. And I didn't realize I, I was one day I was just playing. I was just, just not feeling good. And I don't get sick. And then it was like, and then somebody told me, it's like, oh yeah, you're not, you, it's motion sickness. Cause of the, you, you got to push yeah. your cart to the other side of the room and you can play it. Cause you're yeah. used to yeah. a 24 inch TV and then you're this far away. And now you're playing on a 72 inch TV. Yes. Right. And I was like, holy shit, I'm that sensitive. <laughs> I got motion sickness. It happens to a lot of people. Yeah, it happens to a lot of people. Uh, I remember playing, <clears throat> there's a uh, a Doom-like Star Wars game that came out in the 90s called Dark Forces. And it's fun. It's a fun game. Very good. But there's a lot of like levels where you're in like the, the sewers 
or you're in like a like kind of a brownish, dark, dank, musty environment and you're meandering and sometimes you get turned around, mm-hmm. it's not linear and then you're jumping and you're going from like multiple levels up and down and side to side. And I'm like, oh boy, I got to turn this off and play some Mario or maybe read a book or something or close my eyes. I can't take this level anymore. You mentioned three options. <laughs> there was only two. <laughs> there was only two. I hide my money in the third. <laughs> or they, my, my wife hides her money. Never mind. I um, no. So that that would that, so I might I might check in on that and, and, and give that a try. So now we're getting into sports, and we don't talk sports very much. Uh, we're going to talk sports a little bit, maybe not for an hour, but let's get into it. Mm. I. Don't follow any sports. All right. <laughs> I, I follow. I went, I had zero sports kids uh, a few months ago, and I now know. I have two. Sorry, Every single day from 2 to 9 p.m., I'm honestly, I go through two tanks of gas now, never traveling more than 15 miles. But I don't follow sports. I haven't seen a football game three years. It's been three years since I've watched an NFL game. I, I, I mean, at all. I don't even know. I don't even know, like, if the Pats won or lost the other day. I, I, I wish the best, but I haven't watched a baseball game since 2012. I never will in a, a, a Major League Baseball game. But for all my friends and family who love the Sox, I hope they do well. If I hear that the Red Sox miss the playoffs by 20 games, it doesn't affect me. If I hear the Yankees miss the playoffs by 21 games... <laughs> It, it, it brings great joy to me. <laughs> I, I don't follow anything, but there are these still these constants. The shot and Freuer of, you know, and again, you know, uh, it's petty. I get it. I see it. I, I see the world different now being being in recovery <laughs> of, of sports, being in recovery. Um, but to hear the Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yes. Dude, I. I don't know another way to say this other than delicious. <laughs> I, I think because I will be feasting on this for months to come. Oh, and it's not like I didn't like Peyton Manning before. I loved Peyton Manning because he beat our team in big games. Or I hated the fact that people thought he was better than the guy that we liked, you know, but he wasn't. You know, rich, white, conservative guy from the South, probably, but I didn't know. He wasn't open about his politics, he all this. He wasn't problematic. You know, but Aaron Rodgers has gone so far out of his way the last five or six years. Uh, particularly the last two. To real, Right, particularly the last two. But he went through this holding the team hostage a couple times before. You know, and then, look, he replaced, what's his face? Brett Favre. <laughs> he, uh, and Brett Favre had held the Packers hostage for a couple years. I'm retiring. I'm not. I'm retiring. I'm not. And so, you know, so Aaron Rodgers has kind of been a dick to a city that's been nothing but great to him and the franchise. So I didn't like, but right, ever since COVID, ever since, you know, COVID, he has just been a complete douche and then goes to the jets they're the team on heart knocks you know and there's this one celebration dance that i i didn't watch heart knocks i'm not going to watch it but it circled through media where hbo's hard right and him and his you know receiver do this there where they chest bump and then do this high five thing and then look like they smoke a joint like that's their dance that they do i'm like you're just a douche 
big COVID denier, big all this stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if my favorite thing is because the day of the game was November 11th, uh, September 11th. It's tough to see another jet go down on November, September 11th. That was one joke. But my favorite fact is that he hosted more episodes of Jeopardy that he took snaps of the ball for the New York Giants. Like, Jets. you know, to the New York Jets. Right? Yeah. He, he took five snaps, if you can count his Achilles as one of the five <laughs> snaps. Like four plays in. Now, granted, like 2007. The, the, I blame the flag that he was carrying. Oh, everything about that. Like the, the legitimate flag waving. The, yeah. the absolute, you know, and again, you know, 2007, the Patriots lose the undefeated season, and that was awful. And then the first procession the next year, Brady, you know, is the one injury he had. So he had a sit with that loss for 18, 20 heartbreaking months, you know. Um, but but this is him. Mm-hmm. And and somebody had said, uh, uh, I was listening to it. Wait, wait, don't tell me. The, somebody had said all, like, all the... Uh, what what is the horse medicine that people were taking? I, I'm not Ivermectin. taking. Yeah, so I'm not taking this COVID thing. That's not tested. But I'm. He's like, yeah, his doctor Joe Rogan had prescribed so much ivermectin that when he broke his Achilles heel, he had to put him down. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't feel bad about. First of all, it's the most Jets thing. I I think that's what makes it so great is that it happened to Aaron Rodgers. Couldn't happen to a shittier guy. And. The Jets, who just can't stop fucking up. It, it's so glorious. It's like, you know what? Finally, we're just going to throw money at the situation. We're just going to throw money at it. We're going to buy our goddamn championship. We're going to get, you know what? Was it two years guaranteed? Yeah. Two years, 75 million guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers, 38, 37. How old is he? Yeah, he's 37, 36, 37. Yeah. You know, like a, yeah, late thirties guy. You know, um, he he had injuries in the past, whatever. And you know, but we're just gonna we're gonna put our money on this horse we're, tranquilizer. We're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna buy our way past nine and seven. Not a championship. Right. Let's be real. Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl. Okay. I mean, but you're right. I mean, we're gonna solve this problem. Right. They tr- they tried with the Mark Sanchez, didn't quite work out. Um, and just it's so amazing, like how. Four, four plays, four plays. And by the way, so it was, I didn't watch the game. So that they get, so they obviously got a first down on those. Okay. It's not like they left him in and went for him on fourth down. It it was a, yeah. Oh, just, just everything about it is great. Um, No. Achilles heel. Who thought that Aaron Rodgers would be the Jets Achilles heel? (laughs) (laughs) Copyright card for personal. (laughs) Please. (laughs) <laughs> Copyright internet, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that and I guess it's funny because I put this on the rundown. I didn't know yelling Baba Booey was still a thing, and you told me in the golf world, oh, it's a thing. Yeah, they've been doing it for years, even pre-COVID. You know that Howard would keep. I guess I guess it's probably has been going on for about maybe I want to say almost ten years now, where they would have like the Masters or, or the U.S. Open or whatever, and then they have, um. You know, they'd have televised moments where they would uh, swing, you know, immediately after the swing. Like, if you if you say something during the swing, you're going to get your ass handed out to you and you're going to get tossed the fuck out. But 
and I don't know, maybe they do after they yell Baba Booey, but after a swing, they'll have guys on the sideline yelling Baba Booey and like almost like THX quality sound. <laughs> you know, like, like, like you feel like you're on the green with these guys. Um, and yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. And they're actually like, LP, they're actually like PGA guys who've like won tournaments who are Howard Stern fans, you know, like, and they'll give out a Baba Booey at the end of it. So yeah, that, that, that's still a thing. It's um, um, still going strong. Uh, it keeps the uh, Baba Booey name alive, which is always good. Um, I mean, l- lest we forget, of course, the infamous Baba Booey moment, uh, the quintessential Baba Booey moment from 1994, the O.J. Simpson, icy O.J. call, um, when Peter Jennings took a call from a Mr. Higgins, who was on the scene of the Ford Bronco chase and or at the at like the- right outside the Brentwood home. And he calls in to ABC News. He says, I see, oh, look at here. Now I see OJ and he be looking scared. And I would be scared too because there are cops all dicked in this place. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Higgins. How long, and a Baba Booey to y'all. How long was he on the air and how desperately was Al Michaels trying to get through? Um, he was on the air for a about with with Peter Jennings for about thirty seconds, like it was a back and forth, and it, yeah, it was a good thirty seconds, and it was not a it was a very clean call, like it was just like nothing dirty, nothing too dirty, and a Baba Booey to y'all, the perfect call, perfect, like just like um, use a different phrase. Uh, uh, we don't go. It was a perfect call. Oh, it was a perfect call. It was a. <laughs> It was beautiful. It was clutch. It was a walk-off home run. Yeah. It was everything that you wanted it to be. And then Al Michaels. So it was a home run of the natural, actually. Yes. See, the and, then, and, then, and then seemingly like within the next 15 seconds, you hear Al Michaels, who was with ABC Sports at the time, calling in. Uh, and he goes, I think he might have been in the booth or something or or nearby or something. And he was on the phone. And he goes, oh, by the way, Peter Jennings, this is Al Michaels calling. I just wanted to let you know that that was a totally farcical call. Uh, lest anyone think he was actually on the site. Uh, he said something at the end there in code that was indicative of the mentioning of a certain radio host. Thank you, Al. It will not be the first nor the last time we'll have been had. So anyways, that's your little trip down memory lane. The greatest Baba Booey call of all time. Look it up. I see OJ. You will not be disappointed. So talking about golfers still. I have always had a pretty fun life. Um, It's hard to say there's something more enjoyable in my life than picking up our friend John and driving to F&H, the parking lot, and driving home. Those moments, 10 years of that, just time capsule great. Um, Writing comedy with you throughout the years, there's been so many moments where just pure happiness, comedy camp in 90 Seven, ninety-seven, six, ninety-seven, ninety. Yeah, ninety-six. Oh, oh god, just, 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 just the best. There was these moments jamming, you know, with the band, especially with with Dan, where it's just leave the body euphoric. I can go on. I didn't even mention children or breasts, <laughs> but nothing competes to the joy I have. It seems where I've lived in my life to get from point A to point B routinely takes me by golf courses 
nothing in this world gives me joy. Like beeping my horn. It's like there's a golf course less than a mile here that I pass every day, at least twice a day to and from my boys' school, where you go by three or four holes and some are where the tee off and some are where it's a putting. And most of the time, like I'll just beep and they're setting up a shot. But when you know somebody is about to putt or is on the backswing of a drive and you do it, you know, I've been doing it my entire life. And when, like, sometimes people will just wave or laugh. Sometimes people will yell. Somebody in the, since our last podcast recording, threw a golf ball. Like, you know, an older fat fucker wasn't anywhere near me. And I'm like, but just that they got that. And it wasn't the guy who I was trying to bother. It was like one of his friends must have had the ball in his hand and threw it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I, I wish, I wish something else in my life. Doing comedy, <laughs> watching my kids' sports, you know, I'd say having sex. I'm married for 20 years. Who am I kidding? Uh, porn. I wish something out there. No, I don't. I, I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine because I found my thing that brings me pure happiness. And uh, and when you were mentioning the Bubba Booey thing, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm, and look, I'm not doing it for Howard Stern or anybody. This is a me. This is just for me. Right. I think one might actually would have been better. And, it, it it was of a certain time period. Maybe this would have been something that you would do in the two thousands, is bring an air horn, right? You know that right? So, wing, you know, like one of those things. <laughs> oh man! But it is. Uh, I hate golf. Right? I, I hate the people who play it even more. <laughs> Why do you ask? I'm just not going to small talk, you prick. But I do like, and I I pointed out to the boys years ago. It's like, and one of those. Why do you hate golf so much? It's like, look at all this space. It just for it's it's all for a handful of rich white people. Apologies to All Star Tommy. <laughs> I, I I know you're feeling seen and future me and future you. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, know. But I, like I, that's I the thing. Remember. People always assume. Oh, you play hockey, you play golf. No, no, right. I I don't. They have similarly shaped sticks. You know, I mean that's George Carlin routine. <sighs> you know, it's just like. He's talking about homeless people. He's like, first of all, he's like, we got to change the word homeless people because these motherfuckers need houses. They okay. need tangible, you know, livable spaces. And you know what? I, um, I have two solutions for them: uh, golf courses and cemeteries. Yeah, and they are they're both waste of space. Yes, you know. Um, so, so yeah. So, but that is that that gives me the greatest joy of all the fun things, the travel I get to do, the sports I get to see, the friends I have, and either somebody in the car with me, or just me alone. Just, just <laughs> I will never know these people. They will never know me. But the joy that I get ruining a putt. It's oh. kind of like saying, you know, it's like why did. You know, why does your management do her nails before a concert when that she's going to yeah. alone for herself? Yep. Why do you honk at douchebags that are just trying to like, you know, get through the thirtieth year of retirement? <laughs> <laughs> and again, I have good friends who golf, so you know, I don't want you to take this personally. But I hate you in golf. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh so so we're, we're wrapping it up here. You 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 watching anything fun? Uh, fun, fine, fun. I mean, you know, I'm watching, honestly, I'm like, I'm like one of these damn millennials. I'm watching a lot of YouTube. I'm watching, um, I'm watching like, I'm a nerd, as you know, I'm a video game nerd. 
and I'm also like a tinkerer. Like I'm, I'm getting into like video game console repairing and refurbishing. But like now there's like a video series of like somebody cleaning out like dirty consoles. And it's one of those satisfying things like you know like you're watching like a rehab of like man look at this dusty old thing it's even got like some cockroaches in there we're gonna clean this shit out and we're gonna you know refurbish this and get this thing working again most satisfying 15 minutes i could spend just like what taking some watching somebody tear down to its like bare bones a sega genesis from 1992 cleaning it out then, you know, scrubbing it, get putting it all back together. And you're showing the before and after, plugging it in, putting a game in, watching it play. And just like, ah, you know, like it's, it's like, it's, 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 it was destined for the landfill, but now it can be salvaged and reused. And I like, and then also like it, it educates me as to like, oh, well, I have all these shitty systems. Some of them don't quite work. Some of them I have refurbished. You actually gifted me a Wii U one time. I took it apart. The, the The game pad didn't work. And all it was, it was there's a little ribbon cable in the back that came loose. And I just plugged it back in. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And then, like, I fixed it. But, you know, yeah. I refurbished, like, one of the PS3s that you sent me. I kind of, you know, got that working again. So things like that bring me joy, watching those little rehab videos. No, that's, they know, that's, again, when you find the thing that makes you happy, uh-huh. that's not hurting anybody. Right. You know, maybe I bother people with the people, but nobody, you know what I mean? Nobody's like, but at the same I've time. I've given up watching snuff films. Yes. <laughs> I, that was the old me. See, I had that in one of my routines, and I don't think enough people knew what a snuff film was. I would say. Is that, is that, <laughs> the, 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 the family guy when they're all sitting around, is that, is that guy going to kill that girl? Shh, Peter, we're trying to watch the movie. <laughs> you know, I, I would have the routine, you know, if we're being honest. That's what comedy's all about. Every make a wish kid's wish is to not die. And most people, I get the groan. You know, it's like, oh, I can't believe he's going to. Hear me out. What if somebody wants to be in a snuff film? (laughs) 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 You know, but not enough people knew what a snuff film was. So I haven't really used that one as of late. I mean, putting a kid in a snuff film is, (laughs) is a bridge too far for me, sir. A bridge too far. You know, uh, (laughs) know, Bill Hicks used to have a bit like that about like using like, you know, people on hospice care, putting them in stunt doubles. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh, you know, why, why is my grandma dressed up as, as a mugger? Shut up. Just push her towards Chuck Norris. (laughs) Oh my God. He kicked Grammy's head off. But what a scene. (laughs) Don't tell me you are love movies. <laughs> and so it's kind of akin uh, to that. No, but um, right. I get that. We need that's what we need to do. Bring snuff films back. We need snuff <laughs> awareness month. <laughs> Enough of this autism awareness. We get it. We, uh, yes, breast cancer. We see you. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know uh, what was that guy like? You know the gluten guy last night. It's uh, like yeah, we did the DNA test. It turns out like forty eight percent in your imagination. <laughs> that my wife has completely made up. <laughs> you know. Um, uh shit. No, but I I I I I definitely get. Uh, now we're not watching anything really because management. The last few weeks has had a lot of travel, a lot of work, some work travel. I've been doing shows, like real things, and there are these tiny, I mean the tiniest windows. Ahsoka Tano has been 
top three Jedi for me for 10 plus years. Like even before, you know, season four of Star Wars Rebels. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. Um, but the one book, the one non-Kurt Vonnegut book I think I've read in the last 20 years, and I'm not kidding, the one non-Kurt Vonnegut book I've read in the last 20 years is this Ahsoka Tano book that took place between Clone Wars and Rebels. It's great. We're only two up. Oh, and, and you know, Rosario Dawson, one of my favorite actresses ever since, you know, Daredevil season one. I mean, I've loved I've loved her in like 10 different series. She's great. She's always great as a person, as a follow, you know, you know, her, her boyfriend is her long-term boyfriend, Corey Booker. Yeah. You know, the Congress, congressperson from, uh, from New Jersey. Uh, she's great. We're only two episodes in it, uh, two of six. I think the, I think the whole series is out. We haven't started murders in the building. We, we, where there's another series that we love. I can't think of it right now. So literally she's been away the last couple of weekends. You know, she goes away, you come over, but there's only shows we, we can watch together. Yep. And so that's why it's like, really, you're watching justice league. And it's like, it's all in the background. One, I'm making the boys dinner. I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm doing you're, that. you're on, you're in a holding pattern for all the new shit that you want to watch because certain people aren't around to watch it with you. And, and after 20 years, and I haven't made this into a bit officially yet, but I've talked about it with people. And the truth is, management can come home. I can be having an affair. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I Netflix cheat on her. <laughs> Grounds for it's, it's over. Yeah. Like, we can work through. Look, I, I can just say, but look at her boobs. I mean, come on. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm in the wrong here. I get it. But come on. There'd be there'd be a there'd be a moment of understanding. I think we could work past it. But let's say I had not waited to watch the rest of Miss Maisel with her. All right. You wouldn't be here today. I, I, we wouldn't be divorced. She'd be in prison. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I don't know if she'd be in prison. I also don't know if they would find the body. Right. <laughs> so, so there so. is all those woods back behind your house there that go untouched. And uh, and there, there are coyotes. You mm. know what I mean? I mean, the Karen Baskin situation. There, <laughs> you know, uh, Carol Baskin. I mean, she did it. She I did think. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I, uh, I really, I really, and I, in my heart of hearts, pretty sure. Pretty sure that 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 would fall like she would not be able to that bridge too far type thing. So no, I'm not really watching things that my same old stuff, you know, over and over. Uh, you got a parenting tip? Uh, I would say um, if you're if you have a, a a child, an adult child who is finding their way in the world today, making. What was how's the the phrase going? Cheers, making your way in the world, world today. today. It takes everything you got. That's true. You know, but taking a break from all your worries sure would help. It, a it lot. would help a lot. Yeah. Wouldn't Wouldn't you like to get away? To get away. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, if you're going to have an adult, uh, if you have an adult child who is trying to find their way, and you know, just kind of entering the workforce, lead them to a path of work in which you could get comp tickets to the show oh. that they work on. <laughs> A little fringe benefit, you know, a little something for daddy. You know what I'm saying? A little back pay for all the years of sacrifice you made. You know, do you got to get some return on your investment? Look, I'm not asking you to start chipping your rent, but there's an opening at the Wilbur, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Bill Burry be playing there, 
in, in November. I need you. <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah, I would say, it, you know, it's kind of like when you, you're you're rearing your children earlier and you, you, you're sometimes you're in, you're doing things with them that really it's things that you like to do on your own, but you're involving the child at the same time, you know, that sort of thing like that happens. But now that they're older and they can make their own decisions, just lead them into things that we're like, you know, Hey, they can bring home something from work or, you know, maybe get you a little something on the side that you normally wouldn't be able to get to, on your own. Look, so, the rising tide lifts all boats. Ian, truer words were never spoken on this podcast. So uh, so here's my parents. going to be a little long for a sec. I've never pushed my boys in sports, although sports were my entire world, until I started being in a band. And then being in a band in sports was my entire world. And boobs. And uh, well, first it was sports, then boobs, then, then, then sports and boobs and band. And then boobs and band, and then it came back down to sports, boobs, and band again. That sounds like a Huey Lewis uh, album, <laughs> sports, boobs, and band. So, uh, but I never, you know, push on the boys. Always supportive when they did. It's fine that we have two sports kids. In fact, not only do we not push sports on them, but but are incredibly supportive. The little guy who's now on two football teams, um, the junior high he goes to, he's in the seventh grade and it's there's a seventh and eighth grade team for junior high then there's a junior varsity team and a varsity team with the high school he as a seventh and eighth grader can play on the high school junior varsity team and he's playing in the travel team they called and said we like him to play on the junior varsity team i said that's incredibly great no hmm. he's in the seventh grade this is his first time at the school he's new at the school He's still new to the sport. I mean, he's pretty good at the sport. He, and I mean, I, I taped it. I mean, he missed a scissor kick that would have been, I, I would have made him quit. Right. Forever. You're not playing again. Play of the day. You you will never, this won't happen. So, so, so you're done. You're done. You know, that this goal. He that's did, your Baba Booey OJ that's call. His, thank you. <laughs> he did score a goal like last week. Shot came from left to right, hit the crossbar, went up, and he took maybe 10 steps, jumped over somebody, and headed the ball. Perfect goal. And I was like, and I told him that then. I was like, you can just leave your, your bag there. We're going home. He's like, well, I was like, you're done. You're not going to score this goal again. You won sports. You won sports. But, I, but I'm like, no. I, and I said to the athletic director, I'm like, he's in the seventh grade. If he was in the eighth grade, maybe. He doesn't know a lot of kids in the school. Um, if he plays JV, he'll practice with better kids. That will be great. But he'll ride the bench. Let him play. I'd rather him play this. Plus, he has all the travel. That said, here's my parenting tip. The other kid doesn't love football, but thought he'd give it a try this year. Then he went to a school that didn't have it. This fell into his lap. He wants to give it a try. Like, well, like, well, like we've talked, this is something that I don't see in 20 years people at his office or where he works for his friends are going to automatically assume he was a sports kid background, but it's going to come up. It's like at a party or in a conversation or he'll look up on the screen and see a play and go, oh yeah, this is what happened. It was a, you know, a, a gar pole jet sweep to the right. And somebody's like, how do you know that? Oh, I played high school football. No, you didn't. 
And then he'll call me and say, can you text me some pictures when I'm playing high school football? I'm like, here you go. Experience. And when he went to high school, he says, I want to do different things. I want to see what's out there. I want to join different clubs. And I'm like, that's what you want to hear, you know? Um, but my parenting tip to him specifically, is like, uh, homie, don't play that game. Like, like now that you're doing it and there's politics, I told him, it's like, we make a commitment, you see it through. But at the same time, there's 14 kids on your team that they're dependent to finish their season. It's only the one game. Let's see what happens. But if there's another game where you're losing by 50 points and the only time you touch the field is to help another player off from the other side, maybe, maybe we're not available for the Thanksgiving game. You know, it's like, is it blackmailing? No, it's playing the fucking game. And I hate playing the games outside of playing the game. So my parenting tip is like, don't take it. Like, just don't, don't, you know, don't be a team player. Don't no, <laughs> Don't be a doormat, mm. you know, be a team player, yeah. but you're gonna, you have to actually play, but you have to play. <laughs> right. You're right. You know what I mean? But, uh, you did not join the, the, the show to be an equipment manager. And if you did great, great. I will. I, if he showed up tomorrow and said, they don't have an equipment manager. I, I like helping people. I'm good. If he was a Bobby Boucher and just wanted to be a water boy, I would make sure he was at every game and be practice. the best be water the boy. Best water boy you can be. You don't have to be the best water boy. Be the best water boy you can be. If that's what you want to do. If you don't want to be in the school play, but you want to help with set decoration or something like that. Stage manager. I, I will put I will go to every one of those performances and point out to the person next to each other. See that plant? He painted that. He came in on Saturday. And you know what? It wasn't really green enough. And he came back and put the second coat on. I will be just as proud and supportive. But my parenting tip is like, tell your kids you don't have to take shit. That you don't. That that every moment of your life from this point on, somebody's going to be out there trying to shovel shit your way. You don't have to take it. You know what I mean? And, I've you know, in extrapolating one spot beyond that. I've, I've had the boys start watching. We car camp all the time. We have a, we have a very good friend. I have a very good friend. Went to a great university, moved to Los Angeles. Things were hard. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be in the industry. He had a great education. Things weren't clicking. He signed up for 24 hour fitness, lived in his car, took a shower every day there, did his laundry. He had a job. Wasn't a great job, got a better job. Now he's an executive somewhere. But but he lived in his car for several months. I'm like, if you can do that, if you can be healthy and happy and you don't have to have things, it gives you the power to tell people to fuck off a lot more. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, if you can, if you, so like I said, I hope he, he's going to play the whole thing. I think it will work out. Uh, it's new. It's early in the season. But like I said, when when you're when the team he's supposedly playing for is down by over 30 with less than 12 minutes and the same 11 kids on offense turn over the ball in our defense, he might suck. He could be the worst player in the history of football, my son. The team, the other team scored a every single time they touched the ball, usually within two or three plays. How much worse could he be? Right. And maybe he goes out there and he gets fucking steamrolled. He's like, what am I doing? This sucks. No, you don't have to do it. You know, but, uh, but my parenting tip is like, just tell people to fuck off. You know, I, I don't really give real parenting tips on the show, but yeah, I'm so upset. And it's like, I was telling Joe earlier, it's like, 
this is a local thing. This is a regional thing. Nobody gives a fuck about it. But the people who do give a fuck about it, I can go on the local radio station <laughs> on Monday. I can call the Lowell Sun and literally, hey, by the way, FYI, you know how that was a feel good story that this school came to save that school? Here's why. Yeah, you're going to have to be writing the not so feel good story because those people thought, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to be, I'm not, I'm not your wind up. I'm not your. I will not be your monkey. I will be your monkey. Yeah. Well, good. Good advice. Good advice to be had by all. So that's it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Biff. It was uh, nice having you on the podcast. Um, remember way back when I quit this goddamn thing? <laughs> it was 2020, November 2020. Biden had just won the election. I think it was no December 2020 because that's how long it took to fucking ratify that fucking thing. Anyway, when it was determined that Joe Biden was going to be the next president of the United States, I swore up and down. I, my job is done. I've done it. I... <laughs> Did he win? I don't know. I don't know, Jacques. Jacques's writing me upside down codes. Um, no, he of course he did. Yes, yes. I'm what was that? That Lauren Bobert over there. I can't see so good. Um, I swore that I would never, you know, I was done with the podcast, nobody needed to hear my voice again. Um, and I was wrong. I was wrong. And I knew I know it's not anybody listening to this podcast that isn't Jacques Lambert. Only Jacques Lambert needed to hear my voice again. And that was the only reason I decided to come back on a regular basis because, you know, and then post-COVID, I I missed my friend. I missed being with my friend. <laughs> and I missed talking about stupid crap that nobody gives a shit about. Not even me. Like, I don't really, like, I don't, I'm sorry. One person cares about this crap. <laughs> One person cares about the, 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 the dumb meanderings the 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 uh, the ramblings of madmen um and uh, yeah that's, so the, the, that's the only reason I'm back here and that's the only reason that biff is in oh, the candy and the candy the pile of death the, the, the diabetes that I am thrusting upon myself I'm 40 I just turned 46 a few weeks ago oh about a month ago almost now and yeah I I got four more good years left in me <laughs> I think my pancreas has two. Um, but anyway, I'm, 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 again, I'm rambling here, but that's the reason I'm here is because of this one man, Jacques Lambert. He begged and pleaded, please, Biff brings nothing to this podcast. I'm dying out here. I might as well be talking to this bottle of lilac vegetal that's sitting right behind me <laughs> old doc craze lilac vegetal half off whole half bottle of lilac vegetal i might add um no i i kid but i mean but it is how convenient that biff's you know always busy or his internet goes down in the middle of a show who does that what does that how does that happen um that will never be answered questions like that will never be answered uh, Biff will certainly not answer them because he's never coming back on the podcast, <laughs> apparently. No, he'll be back. He's, you know, people have lives. Not everybody's available. Not everybody's awake. You know, not other people have other obligations, Jacques. You know, not everybody can just dick off and, you know, waste their weekends uh, yapping about nonsense. Nobody cares. 
Nobody cares what we think or what we do or how we feel. Um, I can't even oh, is he? Oh, is he awake or woke? <laughs> I like how, like, all of a sudden he's like, um, right. Oh, no, I got to point to the rap sign. God damn it. I'm getting the rap. Ah, I knew that would come in handy. I brought this upon myself. You know, uh, Joe, this is a, a message to you next time. Don't forget. This is my once upon a time. and run.